Well, good morning. We're going to get started here. Uh, I'd like to spend a little time in prayer this morning. And I, I'd like to pray about certainly what, we, what we're talking about. Um, oh, please, sit up front. Yeah, thank you so much. Wow. I don't know why nobody was coming up front. I'm so thankful. You know? Now I feel like, you know, I have friends now, you know? Um, I like, certainly we've been talking about evangelism, and I think I'd like, I, I think it's important that we pray about it. So I'd spend some time in prayer. But I got an email yesterday from Voice of the Martyrs, and I'd like to say I know how to pronounce this country. Um, I'm going to say Erythia. Eritrea. Eritrea. Wow. Maybe I should have just asked you to do it. Thank you. Uh, I got an email yesterday morning from Voice of the Martyrs that there's a lot of things going on in this country around. It's in Eastern Africa. And there's a lot of uh, Christians that have been arrested over the last number of months and put in prison. Some very terrible type prison things. Very little rations. Very little... Uh, you know, just a lot of persecution. And I think, you know, as I stand here this morning and you sit there, we're in a very comfortable place, aren't we? Thank you, Lord. Uh, so if we could just have a few of you pray and lead out, uh, I'm going to ask Kyle to close when he feels proper. So if you would, I'll open and then just feel, if you feel led to pray, not only about this, but just about our hearts to be open to sharing the gospel to our neighbors, to our co-workers, you know, to whoever we come in contact with. So, Father God, thank you so much for this morning, for Sunday, that we get to come to your house in a comfortable place, uh, safe place to, to just fellowship and look into your word about uh, evangelism. Lord, we thank you. Father, we... Uh, we thank you so much for each one that's here. Lord, uh, we do pray for this country uh, in Eastern Africa that uh, uh, right now Voice of the Martyrs has made it a, a prayer request that uh, we would uh, just lift these Christians that are in prison, going through some difficult times right now, Father, uh, in that country. We just lift them up to you now. Lord, I just pray for the your people in Eritrea uh, that are being persecuted and um, from what I've heard of that country before they're one of the worst um, and people are literally being stripped of their, of their belongings or their, their houses, their, the contents of their houses, their uh, whatever it is that they have of any value and being treated like cattle, and we just we we can't even relate to that really. But we know that you are there, that you care about the persecution of your children, um, our brothers and sisters, and we um, just pray that you would help us to be able to begin to identify with them um, in their suffering. Um, pray to give them. Um, 
just a sense of your presence um, and of the brevity of, of life. Um, we tend to look at life as this life as being the be all and end all, and and perhaps they did too. But um, when something like that happens, I'm sure that that changes your whole perspective. And so we just <coughs> pray that you give them a perspective of your your uh, overall justice and holiness and righteousness, and that they are they haven't been forsaken by you that you still hold them in the palm of your hand and that they can be they can rest assured that no matter what happens to them physically or mentally or how they might be tortured that you are right there with them and can be their sole source of strength in your name we pray Lord, the Bible says all those that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Somehow we've been spared of that physically. But uh, I thank you, Lord, for answered prayer. I got an email from India this morning. They were telling me that things are lifted up there somewhere and they're able to uh, share the gospel more openly. We give you praise. It shows that God does answer prayer. And we thank you for that. And this morning, I still continue to pray for Jim. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we uh, pause and reflect on the situation in the We just open our praise to you, Lord, that we know that you can solve all things in your wisdom. We just pray that there be an air of uh, relief. Uh, for these persecuted Christians, brothers and sisters of Christ. And we just uh, ask you for uh, help and being you're a good God and can grasp and solve all things. And Lord, we just lift those up to you that, that need you the most. Uh, sometimes we can get comfortable in our lives here that we are able to gather in numbers and be able to praise your good works. And we just ask that those good works continue to be performed in our brothers and sisters. And we ask you, Lord, just to watch over them now as, as only you can. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do in our lives. Father, we thank you for the faithful witness of our brothers and sisters in the Lord strengthen them in their faith and that you would hold their faith while they are in severe persecution. You would give them everything they need for life and for godliness that you You would give them physical um, food to eat, places. Father, rather than wishing to avenge upon the people that violate our beliefs, 
I pray that you would bring them to their knees and that they would turn from their wicked ways and believe in thee also. Father, we're so thankful um, that we can come here and encourage one another uh, and also be encouraged by your word. Um, be with Mark here this morning as he brings your word to us, that your word will be convicting, that your word will be life-changing, um, that our hearts will be turned to you and want to glorify you and also make your name great in our communities, Lord. Forgive us for um, our lack of boldness, for our indecisiveness. Forgive us for um, being uh, being tricked by Satan's lies that your word is not worth suffering for. Um, but uh, change us, Lord, and renew us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Uh, I uh, was told after last Sunday, if you were in here, and if you looked around, neither one of these two people are in this room today. My wife and uh, uh, Allie Holman. I was told by my wife that I brought up their, I asked for both of them to participate last week. And so they're not here this morning. <laughs> so I am going to start the, uh, the morning by calling on somebody because he said something in his prayer that I thought really struck me. Ted, you mentioned in your prayer about change their heart, you know, um, and I, I, I thank you for that prayer because, you know, how many, you know, you know, when we engage, when we talk to someone about Christ or about things, you know, um, I know in my heart sometimes, you know, I have to think sometimes, what am I looking for? What do I want? You know, it's, uh, I don't know if any of you have been to biblical counseling training over in Lafayette, Indiana, but I remember, I know Rod and Gina were there. I know Paul was there, maybe some other. But I remember uh, Paul and Rob and Gina, maybe you remember this. I remember one of the speakers talked about uh, uh, what something like, what do we want and why do we want it? It's something like that, isn't it? Yeah, you uh, do what you do because you want what you want because you want it. You, you remember better than I do. Come on, yeah. Paul. We do what we do because we want what we want, and we want what we want because we believe what we believe, and we believe what we believe because we worship what we worship. Yeah. So I guess my point is thank you. <laughs> Couldn't remember all that. <laughs> I didn't think it was that long, Gina. Are you sure it was that long? <laughs> huh? It depends on which session you went to. It got deeper the more sessions. It did? Yeah. So are you saying I missed some sessions? No. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm embarrassed. Maybe I shouldn't have brought 
brought it up at all, Gina. Sorry. <laughs> it's like, whoa. But I guess I could, I guess, Gina, I'm going to fall back on the excuse that, like I said last week, I grew up in an East BR, we're slow but friendly. So I guess I was slow in that part. But I guess my point is, so thank you, uh, what Ted prayed is, you know, why, you know, when I want to share with somebody about Christ or I want to witness somebody about Christ, is it what I want? You know, it's like, you know, I want them to change because I want them to change. You know, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, it's kind of like, uh, and I don't know why I'm going with this uh, next part of the story, but uh, our son Jonathan is 30 years old. And I would have to say that Jonathan was probably four or five years old, maybe. And, you know, at my age, I'm a traditionalist. I want everything to stay the same. Doesn't happen in life, does it? So Jonathan's four or five years old. I grew up in a traditional church where you sit in the worship service, you know, you don't move, okay? Um, Jonathan was one of these kids, it's a kinesthetic learner. He has to have something in his hands, that's how he learns. So Karen, my wife, thought a coloring book and some crayons or what, uh, markers or whatever would be great for him to keep his concentration. So uh, we're in this church service, not in Newcastle, in a previous church, and we're and it's at the close of the service, and they're singing the closing song, and Jonathan's standing next to me, and I look down at him, and here's this kid that these markers are all over his face. He's crying. Okay, so it's running down. None of you parents in this classroom had that ever happened to you, right? So, of course, me being a traditionalist, and you're supposed to sit in church and be quiet and not move, okay? I remember, and we, if you notice in this church, Karen and I like sitting up in the front, second or third row from the back. And that's where we're at in this church, okay? And I remember, you know, um, my heart wasn't good at this particular moment. I remember grabbing this kid by the arm, and I took him down that aisle of that church, and I'm walking down this aisle, and believe me, I'm sorry, I'm going to confess it to you, I was mad, okay? And I don't know if any of you know Jim Carius from Morton, but I remember walking at about five or six rows in the back of the church. Jim Carius was in there. He stepped out in front of me. And I remember he looked at me and he goes, I'll take him, because you're going to kill him. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, is my face that bad? And I remember Jim Carrier took him. <laughs> I just stood. I, I, I probably had that one of those pregnant pauses. But my point is, you know, uh, of this story is, my heart was not good at that particular moment. My point is, what Ted prayed is, you know, yeah, I want to share the gospel. Well, what I want to share the gospel, why? Is it for my benefit? No, it's not for my benefit. But my heart needs to be right, correct? And when I share it, you know, not judgmental. God works, right? It's God working in their life, you know? So I think that's important. Uh, I have to digress, though, because I forgot to uh, say this announcement, okay? Uh, there is a... Um, 5K run coming up October 7th. I'm assuming it's in Mackinac. For Sasha Sashay? It's in Mackinac. It doesn't have it here, but okay. And they're looking for volunteers. So if you, it's October 7th at 10 a.m. 
Uh, I'm supposed to pass this sheet around. If you want to volunteer and help, put your name, contact info on here, and they will get a hold of you. So I'm going to start it here. You don't have anything to write with, do you? So how can you sign up? Right? That's correct. You can yeah. pass that around, okay. but I want that pin back. All right. I'll make sure of it. Don't keep my pin. Okay. Now it's important to get what, to what we came here to. Okay? So Kyle and I, as you well know, this class is about evangelism. The why of evangelism, why the gospel wants us to, uh, you know, be a part of evangelism, why God thinks it's so important, why Christ wants us as believers to, uh, to be part of it, okay? And uh, evangelism is what? You've sat in this class for just a couple Sundays. Kyle and I have talked about evangelism. Why? What is evangelism about? It's about what? Proclaiming the gospel. the gospel. Okay. And that gospel is what? The good news. Okay. Of Jesus Christ and his power. We talked about changing someone's heart a little bit ago. Changing our heart and changing others' hearts to become believers to asking for the forgiveness of our sin and to follow him. Okay? I read this quote somewhere, and I don't know where I read it at, but uh, I just remember it. It says, Evangelism is both a privilege and an urgent priority of Christians. Why is it a privilege? I got a thought on that? Why is it a privilege for us to be a a part of evangelism. Any thoughts? Because hmm? it gives us a chance to participate in God's, really God's overall plan for the earth. Yeah. Jeannie, you had your hand up. That's all I was going to say, is the opportunity to partner with Christ. Yeah. We have the privilege to be a part of evangelism because God saved us, right? He gave us that hope. And he wants us to share that, right? Next part, why is it an urgent priority? Hmm? He thought, Alan? I'm sorry, Rod, go ahead. I'm sorry. We don't know when he's going to return, and we don't want to be too late. Yeah. Alan? Virtually the same thing. We don't know when it's going to be too late, but we're all going to die someday, and then there will be a judgment. Yeah. And we, and we have that hope within us. We want to share it with another person, because as I shared with you last Sunday, and my wife and I being over at the Ark Encounter a few weeks ago, and Ken Ham sharing about his conversation with Bill Dye, the science guy, Bill Dye, when he asked Bill Dye, you know, you believe that you're going to die, and then, Bill, there's nothing after? So we have that hope in Jesus Christ that we want that promise of heaven, don't we? We want that. After death, there's heaven. There's a place to go to that if we read Revelation, it's going to be quite a place. You know, hard to imagine. So we want that. So, you know, we think about uh, the New Testament, certainly talks about the gospel, talks about evangelism, talks about going into all the world and preach the gospel. Uh, but, you know, Really, the gospel started in the Old Testament. 
Okay, it started really back in Genesis, you know, 12, you know, when God's gospel was the promised kingdom and king. You know, Genesis 12, 1 through 3 announces, was the first announcement of the gospel. And that gospel, that promise, was uh, God to Abraham that he was going to give him a kingdom. He was going to bring his nation, was going to be blessed, okay, as a nation to be kingdom. So it really, and, and, and then we can go into the New Testament, and we can find it in Galatians 3.18 where it talks about uh, God gave it to Abraham as a promise. That gospel back in Genesis, in the New Testament, was that promise. We can find that promise back in Isaiah chapter 40, chapter 50, chapter 61, all talks about uh, this gospel was announcing his kingdom, God's kingdom, Christ's kingdom, in the Old Testament. I have to confess to you, ladies and gentlemen in this room, I never thought about the Old Testament until I was reading this past week. Wow, that's right. It didn't just start with the New Testament. Yes, please. You can go back even further when God tells the serpent in the garden that, that you will bruise his heel, but he'll crush your head. He's referring to Christ. Yeah. But the point is, you're absolutely right. You know, I don't, and, and I'm sure you, all of you think about it because you're, you know, uh, I, I guess I just don't think about the Old Testament being, I mean, it's part of the Bible. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, I'm just saying I don't think of it as being the gospel. You know, it's not my first thought. You know, uh, I don't, when I've, read the Old Testament. I don't read any verses talk about go ye into all the world, preach the gospel. But I know it's there. So I just thought that was very interesting. So, but as we go into the New Testament, we all know that's part of that, don't we? That part of that gospel. Okay, but in the New Testament, as versus the Old Testament, uh, the New Testament announces that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is coming. Okay, and He's coming, you know, uh, you know, maybe as a mystery, but He's very clear in the New Testament, isn't He? That uh, Jesus is going to be revealed as our promised King. That Messiah that was predicted back in the Old Testament, He's going to be, our Messiah is going to come. Our Savior is going to come, okay? And our Jesus as Lord is going to come. You know, if you read Romans 1, you know, the first four verses, and in verse 4 it says, Jesus Christ is our Lord, and He's the coming King. That's going to rule over this earth. We're not going to have this East Africa situation. We're not going to have... Uh, the sufferings, and take away the sufferings of the world. You know, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 5 says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ our Lord. Because it's not about us, is it? You'd like to think it's about us, right? But it's not about us. It's about Jesus Christ our Lord coming to earth, 
being us, as we talked earlier, the hope of Jesus Christ. And heaven. So Jesus is our Lord, and then he's our Savior. God's gospel celebrates him as our Lord and our Savior. But you know, we all know Christ is our King, right? He came as our King. You know, um, we're studying Joshua through this series that Kevin, or I'm sorry, Scott is taking us through over the last number of weeks. But, you know, uh, we're talking about the gospel here this morning, why the gospel talks so much about evangelism, what it's about. And, you know, Mark's gospel is, you know, has another title that I've read. Maybe you've read it too. It's the good news. And we said earlier, what is the gospel? It's the good news. So Mark's gospel is the good news. What is that gospel? It's Jesus the Messiah coming. Okay? And it says in Mark 1, 14 15, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel. Okay? Proclaiming the gospel. And you know, one of the things that we all that's we all that sit here and that have our faith in Jesus Christ is we have that hope. We have that hope that that promise from Hebrews, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you ever get discouraged? Did you wake up yesterday morning? Encouraged, discouraged? Did you wake up last Tuesday morning? Encouraged, discouraged? Do we, what's, I don't know about you, but when I uh, get discouraged, that verse in Hebrews, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know? Uh, I was just sharing with Kyle a little bit ago before we started. I happened to go to the Fulton County Jail in Lewiston, Illinois, every, the second Sunday of every month and have the worship service with the ladies first and the men second. And if you ask them, what can I pray for you this week? It's, it's a repeatedly, just pray for my hope. Pray for hope. You know, so discouraging in the jail. You know, so discouraging. You know, and I don't think, you know, I, I don't think they're wired any different than we are. We're discouraged. But that promise. And that's what Christ, you know, he died for our sin. You know, we all know that from 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Paul reminds the Corinthians, you know, about the gospel. God saving us is part of the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And verse 3 says, it tells us that. Christ died voluntarily for our sins according to the scriptures. Okay, so we talked about the early part of God's gospel back in Genesis. You know, and here we go. We're in 1 Corinthians now. We hear it again, don't we? God's gospel according to the scriptures. You know, and aren't we thankful that it's God's gospel? It's God's truth. It's not Mark's truth. Not Rod or Kyle or Alan back in the back. It's God's truth, right? Because we all sit here today, and what do we know about our culture? They tell us whatever truth you want, right? 
you know, whatever truth you want. You know, listen, I don't know if any of you, uh, you know, listen uh, to uh, what's going on in the Morton School, but listen to that. If you streamed it that night and listened to it, it was so much truth, but it was other people's truth, wasn't it? Talk to somebody on the street. They want to make it their truth, don't they? You know, uh, our son Jonathan is an associate pastor at the Vineyard Church in Champaign. Part of his job as associate pastor is uh, Oriental students, Asian students, assimilation into the Vineyard Church. And he said, you know, in their conversation, you know, they've had with him just in the eight weeks or nine weeks that he's been there, uh, it's so much different truth. He goes, if I, he goes, I wish I would have kept a count. He said, it's, he said, maybe I've engaged a hundred in eight, nine weeks. And he goes, I would probably say it's got to be 40% of them. It's somebody else's truth. What some professor has taught him at the U of I, what some roommate in their apartment. And, you know, we know that as believers, it's God's truth. And that's what he's saying here. You know, uh, it's according to the scriptures. And the scriptures is God inspires word. It's his truth. We know that Christ died for our sins. We also know that he rose. Okay. And he rose what? Again? According to the scriptures. Not, uh, you know, not when he wanted to rise from the grave. Not when we think it's great to he rose. But he rose according to the scriptures. Again, truth. Truth. Um, you know, I, uh, our youngest son, Joel, uh, when he decided after he moved four different colleges to finally decide he wanted to go to this one last school. And uh, I don't think it had any uh, uh, correlation to his mother telling him that uh, I'm not going to pay any more of your school bills. I don't think that had anything to do with it, you know. Might have put a little pressure on him, but uh, I think when he finally decided, uh, because he had gone to Wisconsin Lutheran, Greenville College, um, you know, Christian schools, and when he uh, went to Illinois State, I think it was Joel's reality that, wow, I'm dealing with a lot of every day with a lot of untruth. And when he started coming home and visiting us, he would ask us, you know, so the reality to me was, wait a minute. He grew up in a Christian home, went to Christian church all his life, went to Peoria Christian School for all 12 years of his schooling. Wow. You know, but I think uh, my point is, you know, I, I've repeated this several times in accordance with the scriptures. So the gospel came to us according to the scripture. It's not, it, it's Christ God's gospel. You know, so as he's in, instruct us in Matthew to go you into all the world and preach the gospel, uh, 
that's truth. That comes from His Word, His Gospel to us. You know, um, and you know, the other promise that we have from the Gospel is that Christ is going to return and He's going to do what? Judge us or judge the world, okay, according to the gospel from Romans 2.16. Christ, and it says, if you go on in Romans 2, it says Christ will return to judge the secrets of men. What do we know about our sin? Be sure your sins will find you out. What did Scott talk about last Sunday in Joshua 7? Okay. What did... Uh, um, when David got confronted by Nathan the prophet... Why do I hear this babbling sheep in my ear? What did Nathan tell him? You are the man. Didn't mean to point at you, Louis. But I knew you're from East PR, so you could kind of... <laughs> um, but the point is, you know, to judge the secrets of men. I mean, we're not going to hide, are we? As I said, Scott... Reminded us last week from Joshua 7. We know about it in the New Testament. We're not going to hide from Christ, are we? We're not going to hide from our sin, are we? Did you want to say something? Diane, I'm sorry. Yes, if you don't mind, I just, No, please. The sermon last week was so exciting because of the gospel in it, and you're talking about Yes. So the judgment that Achan got, his stoning and burning, and all of his animals, everything. So his name, because he took a little bit of the glory of God, was erased from the earth. And then Scott said, showed us that promise later in the Old Testament, I will make that valley of trouble a valley of hope. And so I had to chew on that for a little while. And then I realized the way God did that was Jesus became Achan and took that wrath and punishment for Achan. And that is how that story can be hope. And you mentioned the prisoners needing hope. And that is why we have to share, because we all know we are Achan. We deserve our name to be completely erased because we have taken God's glory. And yet, in his judgment, God shows the gospel, his love for us, that he would give that substitute. And I've just reveled and joyed in that all week. So I just had to show that. No, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Diane. That, that That is so cool. You know, uh, she talked about Aiken. You know, one of my, unfortunately, times uh, when uh, uh, I was living in some sin, uh, of all people, my wife had to confront me. So here I thought was a sin that I was hiding, that I was secret about. My wife caught me and confronted me. Okay? And one of the things I reminded Diane brought up about that, 
Achan in chapter 7 of Joshua, my favorite uh, person in all the Bible was Peter. You know, God provided such forgiveness and grace to Peter. But here's what I like about Peter. Reminds me of me. If you remember the story about Peter, what did Peter do? What about John? What about him? Isn't that, I can't speak for you, I can only speak for me. That's me. Oh, God forgives me, but what about you? What about Kyle? Lord, look at those guys. Man, they're worse than me. What did Jesus do? What was Jesus' response to Peter? This is my favorite part. Don't you worry about them. Don't you worry about them. Boy, is that a smack in the face? But I'm sorry, I'm not, I can't speak for any of you, but that's me. You know, it's like Diane said, uh, God provides grace and forgiveness in that instance. He provides grace and forgiveness to Peter. And you know, I can't even stand here and say that, well, I've never sinned like Peter would, uh, would have done. But I have. I've denied him. I've cottered in that corner when I'm with some other guys or some other people. I go, oh boy, you know, I don't want to bring it up. <laughs> but I'm a believer, you know. But the point is, thank you, Diane, for saying that. Because I, I agree with her. I'm fascinated by, and I've had to read that several times this week, Diane, because it's just fascinating, that picture of God's forgiveness and grace. That was in the Old Testament, right? When we had to sacrifice a lamb to for shed blood. But Christ shed his blood for us. And I guess, uh, what's the gospel about? It's about the good news. What, what's the privilege that we have? Is we have the privilege to share that good news. Why is it such an urgent priority? It's because of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and the dark culture that we live in. Okay, And you know, one of the things, and I don't have time because we're getting close to the end, but the point is I wanted to touch on this morning is, you know, we all have an identity in Christ, don't we? When we accept Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we have an identity. He identifies with us. We can identify to Him, with Him. You know, how hard is us as humans, to not find our identity in something else. Come on, guys. How much identity do we as guys find in something else? And I'm not, believe me, guys, I'm not standing here being judgmental. I have... I mean, I'll tell you, um, I had two old British cars, a 59A and a 71B. 
I parked them an hour north in a little town called McNabb because I could, I could get a garage for free. So think about this. You drive an hour one way and then an hour back to look at two cars in a garage. Maybe you drive them. I don't know. All I could tell you about a British car is they never ran. Okay? They always leaked. Okay, I had this bright idea a number of years ago to take this 59A out one night and go to the Shakespearean Festival with my wife Karen in Bloomington. Left there at 10 after 10 on a Saturday night and the car breaks down. Breaks down. But my only point is, you know, we find our identity in things, don't we? Okay, if you talk to our youngest son, Joel, okay, Joel played a lot of baseball. Joel played college baseball. Joel uh, went to ISU, played one year. At the end of that one year, he came home and told me, he goes, I'm done. And I said, Joel, why? He goes, because it was my identity for so long. Now, I know about you as a parent, but you know what? That was one of those times I said, thank you, Lord. How as a parent could I have preached to him about find your identity in Jesus Christ, find your identity in Jesus Christ? He had to come to that realization, didn't he? It's just like each one of us, right? When we accept Jesus Christ, it has to be on us. His gospel comes to us, right? Each one of us. It doesn't come, well, boy, you know, Karen needs that. Kyle needs that. Rod needs that. Not me. What did I just say? What did Peter do? What about him? So we find our identity, but my point is, it's important that we as believers find our identity in Christ. I'm going to close it with a story. We'll talk about identity. And the promise is, from 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's that hope we have in Jesus Christ. We're a new creation in Him. I'm on an airplane a number of years ago. I'm younger age-wise. I changed planes in Minneapolis to go out to Seattle. I sit next to this man, and as the plane gets off the ground, he pulls out a Bible and pulls out a Bible study booklet. And we had a little pleasantries. He's reading his Bible. He's doing his Bible study book. So I, I thought, wow, I'm going to make this wise comment or wise, I would ask him this wise question. I said, are you a pastor? He looked at me like, what makes you think I'm a pastor? I he didn't ask me that. I'm just, I, you have to have, you always have to embellish a story. <laughs> so that's the embellishment part of the story. But I remember, I did ask him if he was a pastor. But here's what his reply, and this is just stuck with me, okay? No. 
I'm just a guy who loves Jesus. I'm just the guy who loves Jesus. You know, and I think this has probably been 20 years ago when I was on that plane. Why does that stick with me? I'm just a guy who loves Jesus. Isn't that what Jesus wants us? Isn't that what we want? I'm a person that loves Jesus. I'm going to close with a story, another story, a personal story. Um, if you don't know this, maybe some of you know this in this room, I'm a nonconformist. I hate rules. And why did God put me with a father who was an engineer? I'm a nonconformist. My dad's an engineer. What do we know about engineers? Detail. The line. Okay? Um, but I had a great dad who I knew loved me. Okay? Who loved me. Okay? Fast forward. I go to school at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. Lived in the house with uh, three other brothers from East Peoria. And um, my dad made a comment to me two weeks before I left for Madison, Wisconsin, because again, I'm a nonconformist. He said, I'm going to give you so much money a month. Okay? That's it. Don't call me for money. Two months into that fall, I was out of money. So I went to deliver newspapers, 107 newspapers on a morning route that I had to leave my place at 4.30 in the morning and didn't get back till 6.30. Okay? That lasts about six weeks. I was out of money again. So I went to start working in a pizza parlor at night, uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night from uh, 4 o'clock till midnight. Okay? Um, and I was mad at my dad. I was mad at my dad. Okay? And uh, um, stayed in Madison for a total of nine years. After didn't take me nine years to go through school, but I stayed in Madison. <laughs> Worked at this pizza parlor. It was called the Pizza Pit. Um, and I graduated. I'm working 60, 70 hour weeks for $12,000. And I wake up one night, again, I grew up in East PR, I'm slow but friendly. I wake up one night and I said, I have this college degree. My dad's a superintendent of manufacturing at Caterpillar. One phone call, I can get a job, Caterpillar. We were calling my dad, and my dad said, Nope, not going to help you. I said, Why? Mark, you're a nonconformist. You won't ever make it a Caterpillar. Caterpillar is about process and procedure. You don't like those two things. So I went and got a job myself, okay? I worked 26 months of it, hated every minute of it. Process and procedure, rules, okay? But one thing I did see, um, when my father passed away, I can't tell you how many people came through the visitation line, came to the funeral and said to me, Mark, your dad, one, loved you, and two, he served his Jesus on the job. I had two people tell me my dad led to the Jesus Christ on the job. Numerous people tell me um, how my dad shared their faith. 
had one guy tell me, he said, your dad was the best manager I ever worked for in my life. He's the only guy I ever knew that have his arm around you and kick you in the rear end at the same time. And I said, I thought, that's my dad. But I'm telling you, the only point I share that with you is this guy on that plane said, I'm a guy that loves Jesus. I leave you with that only in the fact that that's the gospel. I think, pretty simple, I think, but, you know, that's the gospel. Does your neighbor, do your co-worker, do they know that you love Jesus? You know, that's what it is. Okay? Gaetano, you close us in prayer, please? Sure. Thank you. Lord, we praise you. Here we thank you. Lord, thank you for blessing the heart and uh, sharing about the gospel today. Um, it uh, resonates. Thank you for that. and pray that as we uh, go away, we take away. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I believe Kyle's coming back next week. Yes. Okay. I don't know what he's going to talk about, but I know it'll be good, so don't miss it. Okay? Right, Kyle? Is that a good? It's going to be amazing. It's a good setup. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. It's going to be amazing. And, and tremendous. And tremendous. Any other adjectives you want to throw in there, Kyle? Or should we quit? Right now. Thank you. Thank you very much for uh, sitting and listening. Have a great week. I was in marketing. Why? You were kind of shaking your head. Do you? Are you from we, there? Yeah, he lived there for how many years? And then when how we long? got married, 11. we were there for five. Really? Yeah, we moved back in 2020. Really? We love uh, it. I uh, lived on Washington, which, you know, Washington's a major yeah. east-west street. Yeah. Um, I think the two-and-a-half-story house is... Oh, I better turn this off. I think the two-and-a-half-story house is probably gone. Yeah. But I lived there with three brothers. Okay. And I lived in the loft part of this house with no heat. And I worked at the Madison State Journal newspaper. Okay. Uh, delivering newspapers. Why is this thing not working? Oh, there it is. And I... And 